Go Jim Dandy. Go Jim Dandy. That's a great song. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share our views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zulkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Ostrom. Since 1941, this giant manufacturing plant in Fort Worth has produced some of the most powerful aircraft in the United States Air Force, directly from the assembly line to the flight line of the airbase next door. This week, we talk about the history of Carswell Field in Air Force Plant Number 4. But first, what's your favorite song from the Dazed and Confused soundtrack? Now, just to be clear, we're combining both the Dazed and Confused soundtrack and the second album, Even More Dazed and Confused. Just something from the movie. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Balinese by ZZ Top. Because I love ZZ Top, solid choice, and uh, that one that one doesn't get a lot of uh, airplay, but uh, it's a great song. Yeah, that song is playing in the scene when they're having the the kegger out at the Moon Tower, uh, and, and uh, uh, yeah, one of the one of the characters, the the African American character, he, he's he's dancing on top of the pickup truck to that song. So yeah, <laughs> and it just reminds me of the you know the Balinese and Galveston and uh, that whole Gulf Coast thing. And, and it's a Texas band. Yep. Texas band. Great, great boogie song. Uh, so mine is two scenes, actually two songs. Uh, Jim Dandy by Black Oak, Arkansas. Uh, go Jim Dandy. Go Jim Dandy. That's a great song. Uh, there's a great scene in the movie where it's playing uh, when the senior, the guy, the boy seniors are chasing after all the freshman boys to bust them. Uh, they're hauling, hauling, you know, gunning through the town in their pickup trucks and their muscle cars chasing after these kids with their paddles. Um, I also like the scene uh, using wars. Why can't we be friends? And this is the scene where the girls are getting hazed by being uh, uh, sprayed with uh, mustard and flour and all kinds of disgusting stuff. Um, what can I say? I like hazing scenes, I guess. That's that's <laughs> what I like. Hazing. <laughs> hazing is a good thing. In this movie, in 1970s Austin only. Everywhere else, not a good thing. Listen, I'm, I'm going to just... There's a lot of there's a lot of Texas connections. I could have said something about Seals and Crofts. I could have brought back uh, something from Steve Miller, or but I, I'm actually gonna say when you when you ask me my favorite song on this, like it's really tough. I mean, this is this is kind of uh, you know this is kind of a tough choice here. I'm gonna say never been any reason, and that's by a band Head East, and it was from an album called Flat as a Pancake. I'm going to tell you, not only is it a great song, and I'm a huge sucker for like classic analog rocking synths, and this is an amazing synth song, but yeah. if you can find the original album or Google the original album art, it's a weird, it's a weird album cover. <laughs> it's, it's literally just a pink, a delicious-looking pancake with a big old fat pat of butter on it, and then you <laughs> turn it over, and there's, and there's the band looking like some unwashed hipsters that uh, you see outside of a diner in Austin, uh, just smashing as many pancakes in their mouths as they can. They're just, (laughs) it's weird. Like somebody at, uh, somebody at the A&R department, just they, you know, the, the, the art department did this and they said, you know what? It's perfect. (laughs) Ship it. Print 10,000 copies and ship it. (laughs) 
But it, if you've ever, you know that song right from the start, from that synth line, uh, that analog synth line at the very beginning, oh, it, and just it runs through the whole song. It it's rocks fantastic. from it rocks from stem to great stern. Hook. Never a great yeah. hook, never a, never a bad moment in that song. So that is my all. That's one of my all time favorite songs. Even before I saw that movie, I love that song. So. Bam! It screams, it screams 1975, too. In May of 1940, the Fort Worth Chamber of Commerce came up with a plan to convince aircraft manufacturers to build an aircraft assembly plant in the Fort Worth area to support the massive expansion of the United States Army Air Corps. War was raging in Europe, and tensions between the U.S. and Japan over the war in China were rapidly rising. Fort Worth leaders knew that aircraft manufacturers would be looking to build factories in Texas' temperate, year-round climate in the middle of the country, and they quickly found a partner. Consolidated Aircraft, a San Diego company, was in the market for a new manufacturing facility in order to build its new four-engine strategic bomber, the B-24. Their San Diego plant was already building flying boats for the Navy, and the first large orders for the B-24 had already been placed, not by the Air Corps, but for Britain and France. A secondary production location for the B-24 was needed, and Consolidated chose Fort Worth as the location. Consolidated officials convinced the Air Corps that it would be beneficial to locate a base next to the factory in order to both defend it and to have a staging area from which to fly the newly built planes. The city agreed that they would build a civilian airport there, and they sweetened the deal by deeding the land to the U.S. government. President Franklin D. Roosevelt approved $1.75 million to build the Fort Worth Army Airfield, which began construction in mid-1941. The factory itself was constructed, and eventually it became enormous with the nearly mile-long assembly line. By the time the Fort Worth plant was up and running, France had fallen, Britain took over France's order, and the Air Corps radically increased their demand for the big bomber. In order to meet the projected demand for the B-24, which the British had named the Liberator, the government established the Liberator Production Pool Program. Under this program, Consolidated would produce Liberators at the new plant in Fort Worth by assembling components produced at smaller plants until Fort Worth could produce the complete aircraft. Eventually, Fort Worth stopped producing complete aircraft and instead became one of the, quote, modification centers. Aircraft produced at other plants, including San Diego, the North American plant in Dallas, and the gigantic Ford plant in Willow Run, Michigan, would be flown to Fort Worth and updated with the latest modifications before being turned over to the Air Force. The Air Force would then fly the Liberators out from the Fort Worth Army Airfield to wherever they were needed. Over 3,000 B-24s of the 19,000 built were manufactured in Fort Worth, with many more thousands modified. So let me just jump in. So what there's what was happening is that they were have, making modifications to the specs of the aircraft so rapidly because of the war that they couldn't modify the production line. So they got them flying, then sent them over to where they need to be fixed up so they yep. could go into combat. Makes sense. In 1943, Consolidated merged with the Volte Company to form the Consolidated Volte Aircraft Company, or simply Convair. That year, Convair made the decision to shift production of the very heavy bomber the B-32 Dominator, to Fort Worth. This aircraft was originally designed to do similar specifications as Boeing's B-29 Superfortress, but suffered from tremendous and protracted development problems, with only five being built by the end of 1944. 
Ultimately, only 132 were produced, and only a few actually saw combat in the Pacific before the war ended. However, Convert had bigger things planned with the Air Force. Much bigger things. In 1941, before America had entered the war, it was thought that Britain may still fall to Nazi Germany, and America would be faced with the prospect of eventually fighting Germany from across the Atlantic Ocean. After Pearl Harbor and the defeats by the Japanese mounted, the Air Force saw an even greater need for a bomber that would have a truly global strategic capability. Consolidated's design for a huge bomber that could carry 20,000 pounds of bombs over 4,000 miles at an altitude of 40,000 feet and flying over 300 miles per hour was accepted by the Air Force. At the time, there wasn't even an aircraft that could fly across the Atlantic unrefueled, by the way. The result was the largest combat aircraft ever produced, the B-36, which was later nicknamed the Peacemaker. The B-36 was massive, over two and a half times larger than the B-29 or the B-32, and when it first flew in 1945, it made an impression. The war was over, and military spending was drastically cut across the board, but the order for the first batches of the B-36 was not touched, and these would be built in Fort Worth. The location of the Convair plant, now called Air Force Plant No. 4, and Fort Worth Army Airfield remained critical after the war because of the B-36, which would be the centerpiece of the newly formed Strategic Air Command. Initially formed with B-29s, SAC would be the big stick of American defense planning, tasked with being, at the time, the sole delivery system for the nuclear weapons that rapidly formed the core of the developing Cold War arms race. B-29s could not reach Europe or Asia from Texas, however, and that made the B-36, which began entering service in 1948, critical to Strategic Air Command. Fort Worth Army Airfield was renamed Carswell Air Force Base that year after a Texas-born B-24 pilot who'd won the Medal of Honor and was killed in action in China. This was the place where the B-36s were rolling off the production lines, and it became the primary training and logistics base for the all of Strategic Air Command. For a decade, the aluminum overcast, as it was known, was a familiar sight to Fort Worth residents as the giant lumbering bomber, often loaded with huge hydrogen bombs, would fly in and out of Carswell. Even as a training center, SAC planes that could fly were required to be on a ready alert status, ready to take off at any moment to deliver their payload deep into the Soviet Union. The base also featured prominently in the 1955 Jimmy Stewart movie Strategic Air Command. Stewart plays a major league ball player who served as a pilot in World War II and is called back into active service with the Air Force to fly B-36s. Stewart himself had flown B-24s in the war and served in the Air Force Reserve as a bomber pilot and had deployments at Carswell as well. The film is the only one with actual flying footage of the B-36 and is also a fine document of 1950s Fort Worth. In 1953, the General Dynamics Corporation took over management of Air Force Plant No. 4, but Convair aircraft were still being produced there. B-36 production ended after just a few years. In 1958, it was replaced in service by Boeing's B-52 Superfortress, and units based in Carswell switched over to this giant jet, which would be a familiar sight over at Fort Worth for the next 30 years. As for Air Force Plant No. 4 in 1959, the production line switched over to building Convair's futuristic supersonic bomber, the B-58 Hustler. This sleek four-engine delta-wing aircraft was the first production aircraft that could fly 
was the first production bomber that could fly at Mach 2. And while it had a limited bomb load, one flew from Tokyo to London in just eight hours. Production deliveries began in 1960. Within the next two years, with the next two years at Carswell being spent training and familiarizing pilots and units with the type, of which all 116 were built in Fort Worth. The B-58 was a fantastic aircraft, but it was quite simply too expensive to operate and too limited in its capabilities. By 1964, production was stopped and the aircraft was fully retired by 1970. By the late 1960s, Air Force Plant No. 4 was still going strong. Convair had become... Convair had become fully absorbed by General Dynamics by this point, and it expanded to 6.5 million square feet to accommodate production of the new F-111. This aircraft, a two-seat swing-wing supersonic jet, was the result of an attempt by the Defense Department to combine the needs of the Air Force and the Navy into a single design. The result was a supersonic attack bomber that was designated as a fighter. Like the B-58, the F-111 had suffered a protracted development period, and it never filled all the roles that everyone wanted it to fill. In the end, for 30 years, it developed into one of the finest warplanes in the Air Force inventory. By 1976, 562 of this unusual-looking jet, later named the Aardvark because of its side-by-side cockpit and long nose, were produced in the Fort Worth factory. When production ended on the F-111, General Dynamics switched the production line to its new project, perhaps the most ambitious one yet, and the most successful since the B-24 Liberator. General Dynamics YF-16 design was selected by the Air Force in 1974 as its next-generation lightweight fighter initiative, which would produce small, fast, multi-role fighter and strike aircraft. The design was so impressive that it was also selected by several NATO countries as their own next-generation air combat fighter. And once these countries placed their orders, others soon followed. In the end, more than 25 countries have ordered what became the F-16 Fighting Falcon. And in 1978, the line at Air Force Plant No. 4 began producing this iconic airplane. The Fighting Falcon is one of the most successful military aircraft ever produced, with major production continuing until the early 2000s. Over 3,600 Falcons were produced in Fort Worth, and even today, systems and parts are still produced there. Carswell Air Force Base continued to operate throughout the Cold War, but in 1990, it was selected for closure by the Department of Defense with a date to be selected in the future. Despite this, it served as an important staging base for operations in the Middle East in 1990 and in Europe in the early and mid-90s. In 1992, Strategic Air Command was dissolved and bomber units began moving out of Carswell in 1993. However, the same year, Congress directed the establishment of the nation's first joint reserve base under the Base Alignment and Closure Authority. This would enable the base to be utilized by all services. The base would no longer be solely a U.S. Air Force base, but instead for a year it was an Air Force Reserve base before being transferred to the authority of the U.S. Navy. It was recommissioned Naval Air Station Joint Reserve Base Fort Worth, which is a mouthful. However, it retains the name Carswell Field out of tradition and respect for its namesake. Two U.S. Marine Corps aviation units, as well as a contingent of Navy personnel, are permanently based there. But Air Force and Naval Reserve units rotate through and utilize the base. Air Force Plant Number Four, though, is <clears throat> Air Force Plant Number Four is still going strong. 
1993, the plant and its production of the F-16 was sold to Lockheed Aviation, which later merged with Martin Marietta, forming Lockheed Martin. Lockheed began production of components for the F-22 Raptor fighter aircraft, and the facility remained an important location for parts and systems manufacturing, reconditioning, and updating of existing F-16 fighters throughout the world's air forces. It also produces radar units and missile components and has an important partner in Raytheon Systems, which is located in nearby McKinney and Plano, Texas. In 2006, the plant delivered its first F-35 Lightning II, the long-in-development replacement for the F-16, as well as the Navy's F-18 and the Marines' AV-8B Harrier. Over 2,000 of this advanced fighter are expected to be built for 13 countries over the next decade. Today, the Lockheed plant employs over 17,000 people, and the F-35 and other future Lockheed projects will keep the tradition of warplane manufacturing in Fort Worth for a long time to come. Man. So, yeah, that uh, F-35 is a popular aircraft. <laughs> well, it is popular to the 17,000 people who work at Lockheed, that's yes, for sure. that is for <laughs> sure. Yeah, so I actually have a personal connection with Air Force Plant Number 4. Um, my uh, grandfather, my mom's dad, uh, they were, uh, he was working in, he'd worked in Seattle at the Boeing factory, and then he'd been working uh, at a place in Madison, Wisconsin, where my grandmother's from and where my mom was born. And then he came down to Fort Worth and got a job uh, at the Convair plant. And his, both of his uh, sisters and their husbands came, and his his uh, brother-in-law Harry uh, became uh, uh, also went to work on the line there. Now my grandfather didn't stay at the plant for long, but my great uncle Harry uh, worked on the B-36, the B-58, the F-111, and the F-16. He retired as a floor uh, foreman uh, on the F-16 line uh, in the early 90s. So hmm. he worked for like 30, 30 almost 40 years. It at uh, at the Air Force plant. So, you know, he was uh, very little, not very well educated, but he, he, he was a good worker, a hard worker, and he'd been a, uh, a mechanic on a Navy boat during the war. And so he just basically was a union man and, and became a foreman, rose up to be a foreman of his, uh, his production section. So yeah, that, that, that base is huge. And the other thing was uh, that, when I was a kid, you know, my, my grandparents lived in Mineral Wells, which is west of Fort Worth, and uh, the closest mall was Ridgemar Mall, which is right across the highway from uh, Air Force Plant 4 and Carswell Air Force Base. So I can remember being a kid and going to the mall and being in the parking lot and hearing a big rumbling and looking up and seeing those B-52s flying in and out of that base, which for a kid who's who carried around gigantic books about military aircraft with giant pictures of military aircraft that was a thrill to always see those big big jets flying over yeah there's some amazing planes i i remember um my um my father-in-law's dad uh we i went to the air force uh, museum in uh, dayton ohio which is a fan if you're if you love airplanes like it's a fantastic amazing museum to see uh, and they have one of the big B-36s on display there. And it's a it's it's a gruesomely large airplane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he was, it's frighteningly big. But he was telling me, you know, he can remember, like, when on their farm, like, you would just, they were 
always flying overhead because they're near Sandusky and just the this it's a strange airplane it makes a strange sound because it's got the jet and the propellers on it so right, it's a, if you see a picture of this airplane first of all the b-36 airplane is literally tip to tail wingtip to wingtip the same size as a football field uh it is it is the size of a football field if you if you see one you will be shocked at how huge this aircraft is but it has its six engines uh propeller engines turboprop engines pointing backwards it's a pusher aircraft uh and uh it, it's just it's just massive there's a great picture i found online of a of a b29 which may, many people are familiar with it's the enola gay was the b29 in world war ii it was the largest it was the largest combat aircraft in world war ii uh the largest american one there's a picture of it next to a b36 and it's like it's like uh, a b52 next to an f15 fighter it's it's that big it's it's, <laughs> it's a crazy big massive. aircraft and i can't imagine now, the building you make those things in is, is that's yeah. that's mind-blowing now scott i'm gonna ask you a question do you remember uh or did you were you part of the group we went the day before our friend james abendroth uh, who is a writer for our show uh he, before his wedding we went out to fort worth to this base to the joint naval air station we went to a uh air show do you remember were you part of that group that went to that i don't recall if i went to that particular show but i have been to an air show out there right so we went out there i don't remember mike if you were part of that group either but we I went out there that day no yeah you were probably flying somewhere. Uh, we went out there to an air show. Uh, we got sunburned the day before a wedding. Uh, but they, we were walking uh, towards the flight line where the show was, and I looked over, and there's a hangar uh, uh, over there on the on the Lockheed side of the of the base, and there was sitting on a flatbed a the front fuselage of a B thirty six bomber, <laughs> and. Uh, and I looked over there and I was like, oh my gosh, that's a V 36. It, it was, and it was not the full aircraft, but that was the closest I'd ever seen. I'd ever come at that point to a B 36. Um, now years later, I went to the strategic air command museum in outside of Omaha and they have a full sized, uh, B 36. They also have a full size, uh, active, one of the few remaining B 52 hustlers, which if you've ever seen that aircraft, it's a strange looking, really strange looking aircraft, but at the point, I'm I'm I'm, a, I'm an airplane nut, folks. So just just be aware of that. But uh, that I I distinctly remember going to that base. That was the first time I actually been onto the airfield. I've been to shows since then. But uh, that's a, it was a great air show and lots of great uh, historic and modern aircraft. So and many of those aircraft just rolled had rolled off the line there right at that facility. Well, yeah, and that's that's it's amazing. Okay, so that that's a cool airplane. But let's talk about one of the greatest. Uh, the airplane that inspired one of the greatest cinematic, cinematic <laughs> events of all time, the Mighty Iron Eagle franchise. Uh, the, the F-16. The F-16, baby. Uh, no, that that is, I mean, an iconic plane. And then you you realize, like, oh, well, it is a, it's kind of a Texas airplane. How cool is that? Yeah. Three, three, over 3,000 of them rolled off the line there. I know. It's amazing. That's That's, some, that's amazing. Yeah, but but yeah, that so the so that that was the thing is I remember I remember reading about and hearing about that they were going to close Carswell and it was a big blow to the to the the community, but that the the Congress stepped in to make it the reserve base and and today you know joint naval air station joint reserve base Fort Worth is kind of hard to 
hard to get in, to wrap your name or your wrap your mouth around. But Carswell Field uh, is is still in action and still still being uh, still a going concern. So that's that's a good deal. And like I said, that 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 Lockheed Martin is such a major employer in the Fort Worth area. So it's it's very critical to the to the local economy uh, and and not just the direct employees, but also all of the systems and you know, Raytheon is a major partner and Texas Instruments is a re- major partner. All these all these manufacturers and and uh, project management and uh, suppliers is critical to uh, the economy of Fort Worth. Well, just to take it way back to episode 36, we did an episode called San Antonio Military Aviation, and we talked about kind of the birth of military aviation happened here in Texas. But one of the things interesting about that is um, when you look at the at the four air bases and, and all the fields and things around Texas, you don't want to have an air base or an airfield named after you because it means that you died somehow tragically in an, in an aircraft involved accident for probably most likely uh carswell was not somebody who who uh lived a ripe old age it's it's interesting that that the you know to have a to have an airfield or air base name for you is a, is a great honor and generally represents somebody who's had a big sacrifice so it is really nice in that aspect too that they've kept the uh kept the name i like that too so if you've got a personal connection, a neat story, or something that you'd like to share with us, uh, you know, or with our listeners, you know, drop us a line. Let us know about your connection to Air Force Plant Number 4 in Carswell Field. Talking about those big bombers and those big planes, it just takes me right back to <laughs> into, like, Dr. Strangelove. Like, I'm going to have to go back and watch Dr. Strangelove now uh, sometime soon here because it just, I, I picture that... Goofy model of the B fifty two just going up and down. Well, go go see if you can find Strategic Air Command. That's a great. It is a it's a it's a hokey fifties movie, right? But it it is neat to see Fort Worth. It is neat to see the B thirty six flying. The other one, go watch the movie Failsafe, which is based on the same novel that Doctor Strangelove is is based on. But it was a it was a serious take on the story, and it starred Henry Fonda, and it features the B fifty eight Hustler. So uh, go check those two movies out if you if you're if you're a 1950s and 60s aviation nut, those are good movies for you because they fe- <laughs> they feature actual real film of the of the uh, of the aircraft. The reason why that hokey model in uh, in Doctor Strangelove is used is because the Air Force refused to participate. Well, I wonder in, why. In provide any footage other than stock footage uh, that's used in the refueling and some of the other scenes, but. Yeah, the Air Force refused to participate in that film. So I'm so shocked. Awesome. It seems like such like a Michael <laughs> Bay type of a project. Where the <laughs> that wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We love hearing from you guys, so get out there, like us, and share us on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or just go to brainstable.com and leave us some feedback. You can find our show and many of the great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. Or why not follow us individually? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two N's. And I'm Scotticus. You love this show. You love Texas. You love us talking about big old great airplanes made right here in the Lone Star State. So help us out by telling your friends. And get on iTunes and leave a review because that helps us to find listeners just like you. If you'd like to support the show financially, 
please visit patreon.com slash texaspodcast where you too can become a come and take it Texas Ranger. We hope you'll join us next time and remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway. <laughs>